Hello, hello, and welcome back. I'm your host and life coach, Eva Miller, and this is episode 22 of the show. The theme for this month on the show is create. And today I'm talking about creating more emotional freedom in our lives. And we're going to do this by raising our awareness about the five things we need to stop doing right now. And we're talking about these because they're sneaky, they're invisible, and they're cluttering up our minds and keeping us from fully loving ourselves and from living life the way we truly want to live it. So here we go. Hey, hey, welcome to The Eva Show. I'm Eva Miller. As a domestic violence survivor turned life and wellness coach, I'm on a mission to help you acknowledge your worth, reclaim your power, and find your voice in this noisy world. If you're feeling stuck and looking for help, or you just want to be reminded that it's a-okay to be your unique self in a conforming world, you're in the right place. You're ready to ditch expectations other people have put on you and rise to become who you've always wanted to be? Let's go! All right, all right. Let's get started talking about the five things to stop doing right now in order to create more emotional freedom in your life. I'm going to go over them one by one, and then I'll recap them all at the end of the episode. To create emotional freedom, the first thing you need to stop doing is trying to be liked by everyone. This first one's really interesting to me because, I mean, I've done this, you probably have too. You try to make yourself so vanilla so that you can appeal to everybody. You're afraid to show your intensity, your impatience, your obsessive compulsive side, the parts of you that are picky or high maintenance or lazy or whatever it is that you think might not be appreciated by someone else. But the thing is, those things are all part of who you are. And if you cut them off or you hide them, then that means you're not showing up fully as yourself. And that's not to say that you don't want to improve those things. I'm just saying we all have things that we don't like about ourselves and that we want to change or fix or whatever. So why would we hide those things if we're working on them? And when you're getting to know somebody and they don't show you themselves, how does that make you feel? I don't know about you, but I like it when a person lets me see their quirkiness. It feels, I don't know, honest. Just knowing that like they have something odd or weird or quirky or funny or unique about them and it actually draws me toward them. It it doesn't push me away from them. And even if somebody has a thing about them that is kind of a turnoff, at least if they're honest enough to be real, I respect that. And I think people would respect that about me too. So I just want to invite you to do an honest check-in with yourself about which things you're doing, which activities, what involvements in your community, who you spend time with, whatever, and survey whether those things are in alignment with who you really are. And ask yourself why you're doing them. Do you do things to impress someone or to please someone or to make them like you or to avoid confrontation? Are you afraid that if you have some kind of a conflict, they're not going to like you anymore? And, and it's interesting because of all the five things on this list, they all start off with good intentions, but they all morph into something that becomes unhealthy. And that's actually the stuff that I'm focusing on today. It's the part, the place where these things cross 
into something that holds you hostage and keeps you from creating the life you want and being the person you want to be. You know, we've all had someone or someones in our life who said or did something to make us feel unloved or rejected. And, you know, maybe you were an unplanned pregnancy and maybe your parents told you so. You know, maybe somebody joked and said, well, you were just an oops. You're a mistake. And, you know, even if you know they love you and they took care of you and they were ultimately glad they had you, there's still something inside of you that holds on to that knowledge that at some point you weren't first on the list. I actually have struggled with that. You know, my mom had a relationship and I was a surprise and she had no idea how she was going to take care of me. And she planned to give me up for adoption and she changed her mind. And she has told me a million times that she wouldn't have changed a thing. She was so glad she had me, so glad she kept me. But there was still that tiny part of me that struggled every now and then with feeling like I wasn't chosen. And, you know, I think sometimes in our search for significance, we assume that being wanted or liked by everyone or being popular, quote unquote popular, whatever that means, equates with having significance and being more important. And that's not true. You are significant because you exist. And it doesn't have anything to do with whether somebody likes your particular flavor of of you. So if you can change that narrative in your head, you can really unhandcuff yourself and move forward. Because you have to realize that while other people may not have chosen you, at least not initially, or maybe they didn't want you, you can choose you. And it's okay if other people didn't choose you because you choose you and you're what really matters anyway. You're a magnet and magnets attract and magnets repel. And they don't have a personality or quirks that make them unique or lovable or human or anything. They just attract some magnets and push away others. And we're the same way. I used to send out a newsletter every week through email. And the first time someone unsubscribed from it, I'm going to be honest, I spun out a little bit. But after a little while, I realized that her unsubscribing was actually a really good thing. Because let's just say I had a thousand subscribers to that newsletter. But if half of them didn't even read it, and the half of the other half didn't care, then I really wanted to focus on the 250 who loved the newsletter. And the people in that 250 group who sent me text messages or emails and said, wow, that really spoke to me. Oh, I really loved this one. Gosh, are you in my head? That's exactly what's going on in my life. Those things meant the world to me. So why wouldn't I focus on them, on those things, instead of the other 750, half of which aren't reading, and you know, a quarter of the group who is just like, yeah, it's an okay newsletter. Like, I'd rather you be fired up about me than to be like, eh. Like, who wants to be lukewarm? Who wants somebody to be lukewarm excited about you? No. So I got happy, I guess. (laughs) I got glad that she unsubscribed because it meant that what I was offering wasn't for her. And that's totally okay. I actually appreciated the clarity. It allowed me to move forward. And you know, you can stop trying to be liked by everybody in order to keep them in your life. 
Because whatever you lose by being honest was never yours to start with. And look, you don't even like everybody. Why are you worried about making everybody like you? What you really want is to draw your people to you. So be who you want to be and let the right people find you that way. Okay, now on to number two. The second thing to stop doing right now that will give you emotional freedom is to stop minimizing your value and worth. I think we've become so ingrained with the notion of not being arrogant or conceited or thinking that we're better than we are that we've actually lowered our vibe. It's caused us to play smaller, I think, and at least to shrink and hold ourselves back. And you know, when you're only okay with some parts of you, but not all of you, you emotionally cut parts of you away so that you'll try to be accepted, either by yourself or other people. But how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so if you only accept parts of yourself, how can you fully accept anybody else? And thinking that you're amazing doesn't equate to thinking that you're better than everyone else. It just means you're amazing. Full stop. Have you ever watched The River Dancers or listened to the group Pentatonics, for example? Just throwing those out there. Every member of the River Dance team is an incredible dancer. And every member of Pentatonic is a great singer or an amazing beatboxer all by themselves. And then when they come together, they make something new that's also amazing. So what is it about saying that you're amazing is bad? Did you say your spouse isn't amazing? Is there only room for one person to be amazing and you feel you have to choose between you and somebody else? And if you're amazing, does that automatically mean that your your sister or your best friend or your gym partner is trailer trash? Why can't all of you be amazing in your own way? You know, as humans, we have so many similarities in so many ways, but each of us has a unique something that sets us apart from everyone else. Pointing out that someone is set apart doesn't mean that they're the only amazing person on earth. Eddie Van Halen, we can agree, was an amazing guitarist. Eric Clapton, amazing guitarist. Brian May, Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, all amazing. But instead of trying to line them up one ahead of the other and give them scores, can we just appreciate their amazingness and enjoy them all? Does everything have to be a competition like that? Or can we just love the collective? I mean, if you've got kids, do you not love them with their differences from each other? No, you think they're both amazing. Man, I'll tell you what, if you were playing a drinking game during this episode and you drank every time I said amazing, you'd probably be dead by now. <laughs> okay, on to number three. The third thing you have to stop doing right now to have more emotional freedom in your life is thinking that you have to do thing A in order to deserve getting thing B. You don't always have to complete something in order to earn or deserve the other thing. We do this in weight loss goals, and this is, again, one of those things that starts off good and it can morph into something bad. You know, we do things like, when I lose 20 pounds, I'm going to buy that new dress that I've kind of been looking at in the store. And in and of itself, I don't think that's a problem. I think uh, motivation and rewards like that can be very good for us. They spur us on. 
But I think it becomes a problem because it turns into denying ourselves a lot of other stuff until we reach a certain level of worthiness. And that's where it crosses into bad. Have you ever noticed that or done it to yourself? What story are you telling yourself about the thing you have to do before you are worthy of money or success or love or whatever? Be honest for a minute. What have you convinced yourself that you have to sweat for, beg for, suffer for, hustle and grind for, struggle through in order for you to be worthy of getting it? Because working hard for something, that's one thing, and I think that's great, but I don't think that's the same thing as feeling you have to do something in order to be worthy of having the thing that you want. I mean, it's possible. You may not be emotionally ready for the thing that you want right now, but that's not the same as being worthy. You're worthy of what you want right now, just like you are. And so I would encourage you to check your inner narrative and stop thinking otherwise. Okay, that's number three. The number four thing to stop doing is stop doing things you don't want to do. And I don't mean like paying the bills or cleaning your house. You need to do those things. And deep down, you may not enjoy doing them, but you probably feel better when you've done them, at least when the house is clean. I don't know if you feel better after you pay the bills, but okay. But I'm talking about the things that you always feel like you have to do, quote unquote, have to do this. So I want to ask, you know, are you doing things that you love or are you doing them because you're just used to doing them? You know, maybe it's a habit or a tradition or just, you know, that mindless behavior you do when you're on autopilot, right? And how about some other areas? Like, do you ever eat food you truly don't like, but you eat it anyway because you think you should because it's healthy for you? You know, looking at you, Brussels sprouts and kale. I tried liking them both. I can't. I tried. I gave it a valiant effort. I swear. I just was sure if I put cheese on them, they'd be great. Or if I added nuts to them, I'd like them better. Or bacon. Nope. They're both disgusting. And the best place for those is in my trash can. How many things are you doing that you don't like, but you do them because you have a belief that you're supposed to or that you're supposed to like them? Like CrossFit. Do you do that because it's the latest workout craze and all your friends love it, but you really dread it and are miserable? How about people you spend time with? You ever spend time with someone or a group of people, even though you don't really like them? I had a, I guess, looking back, I would say she was an acquaintance, but at the time I would have called her friend and she wasn't a bad person or anything. She seemed like a pretty good mom. She's considerate of people. She's real involved in her community and she wouldn't like steal from you or anything like that. She was a good person. And we had a lot in common as far as like values, personal values and beliefs went, but I just didn't like her. And when I took an honest look at the situation, I had to admit that I didn't really enjoy myself when I was with her. So I quit hanging out with her. And I didn't realize it right at first, but later on I was like, huh, I don't even, I don't even miss the time we spent together. I don't miss her. I mean, and a part of me really wrestled with that a little bit because I felt like, why don't I like her? I should like her. She's not a bad person. But that word right there, that's a clue. If you're using that word, that's a sign you should stop doing it. And the word is should. I don't know if you caught that. 
I, I literally did think I should like her. I should spend time with her. Because using the word should is an indicator. Like, that's the kind of thing when you say stuff like I should mop the floors. That's not what I'm talking about. You shouldn't use the word should, which brings a connotation of obligation to it. When you're talking about people in your life that you spend time with, places you go, and the, and the, the, the areas in which you spend your precious time, you only get the one life. You don't get to go do something and then go, oh, you know what? I didn't, I didn't like that. I want my two hours back. It doesn't work that way. It's gone forever. So don't be afraid to stop doing those things. And you know, when you, if you've ever bought living room furniture, for example, did you leave the old couch and love seats sitting where they were? No, you took them out of the living room, right? So you could make space for the new. And before you brought the new stuff in, you probably like vacuumed or swept and mopped or swept up the cookie crumbs and picked up food wrappers and put the toys back in the bedroom that you found under there, right? That's what you did when you were making space for the new. So don't don't spend time with someone just because they're all you have or you think they're all you have. Focus on doing what you like because what happens when you stop doing things you don't like is that you get the time back. You get back time when you cut out the stuff you hate. That was number four. Now we're the last thing, number five on the list. In order to create more emotional freedom, the fifth thing you need to stop doing is stop waiting for permission. If I had a new idea or I wanted to try something new, I usually ran it by Big Sexy. And sometimes I might share it with my mom or a really good friend or I don't know, my mentor from church or something, maybe some other people that maybe I would have considered wise or whatever. But what I was really doing was polling all the smart people in my life looking for validation before I decided whether I was going to take any action. And then if I did do any action, it was usually based on what they thought I should do. And I didn't even know that's what I was doing. But I was raised to be a people pleaser, and I was so used to seeking approval that, again, it started off okay. Hey, is this a good idea? There's nothing wrong with running something that you're thinking by someone so that you can think out loud and maybe sort through it. But it mutates into waiting for permission, looking for that stamp of approval. Yeah, you should totally do that. But if you are called or feeling pulled to do something, and if everyone around you said, mm, that's a bad idea. I love you, but I don't think that's going to work. How are you going to make any money doing that? How's that going to be successful? Where are you even going to go with that? Well, that's a dead end. They may mean well, but if you feel it pulling at you, you can't listen to them. And on the flip side of that, if someone said to you one day, you know what you should do? You should open a restaurant because you make really good lumpia. I make good lumpia. People have mentioned to me that I should have like a food truck where I sell lumpia. And for like three minutes, I entertained that until I remembered that I really don't like cooking and I don't want to do that. But, but if all of my friends said, oh, you should make lumpia and sell it, I would totally buy it from you. If it's something I hate, how happy am I going to be? So even though they would be giving me, quote unquote, permission and encouragement, whatever word you want to use there, it doesn't mean that it's for me. Just like someone saying, ah, that'll never work, is also not a sign that I shouldn't do it. 
We've got to get to the place where we trust ourselves. You know what's best for you better than anybody else does. This is your life. You can't trust other people more than you trust you. That's no, that's backwards. And if that's you, it's time to stop all of that. No more, no more waiting for permission. No more waiting for a green light from somebody else. This is your life. You're creating it your way. Are you going to make some mistakes? Yup. That's okay. That's how you learn. Are you going to change your mind about some things? Yup. That's okay. That's how you're going to learn. But in the end, all of this is still exactly where you're supposed to be and what you're going to be doing to get you to where you really ultimately want to be. There you go. You have them all. Let's recap the top five things to stop doing so that you can create more emotional freedom. Number one, trying to be liked by everyone. Number two, minimizing your value and worth. Number three, thinking you have to do A in order to be worthy of getting B. You stop doing things you don't want to do. Stop waiting for permission. So hope you found that valuable. Hope it helps you. If you liked this episode, please leave a rating and review for the show. It really helps to grow the podcast and I'll be forever grateful. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back next week with more talk about creating. See you then. Okay, girlfriend, that's it for me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to connect with me on social media, you can find me on Instagram at I'm Eva Miller. Thanks for being here. Talk to you soon.